You're listening to Day 18 of A Little Bit of Heaven, a special study from North Richland Hills Baptist and Cross Church, focusing on the Christian hope for this life and the life to come. Here's Pastor Scott Mays. Today continues Questions Week, where each day is focused on answering your questions about heaven. Today's question is a serious one. How can I be happy when my loved ones are not with me in heaven? This is really an emotional issue for many of us because we have family and friends who have yet to embrace Jesus Christ. As a young teenager, the thought of my agnostic father spending eternity in hell brought me to tears and kept me awake at night. It was this thought, a thought of unending suffering for him, that caused me to pray for him nightly as a teenager until he embraced Christ about the time I was 18. So I recognize the pain behind this question. Now many today dismiss the question by dismissing the idea of an eternal hell. Scripture prevents us from doing this. And I'm only going to pause momentarily to say to those who are skeptical about the existence of hell, I encourage you to listen to Day 14's focus on Does Everyone Go to Heaven? There I approach the emotional subject of hell and share some reasons why we should affirm the existence of what the Bible calls hell. Now again, there are very few things that any of us could speak about that bring such agony as any of our loved ones in hell. Some believers think God erases our loved one's memory from our mind. That's how they solve this. They cite such passages as Psalm 69, where in verse 28, the Bible says, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. Now, while this text seems to be helpful in this idea of I'm in heaven, God has erased the memory of my loved one who's not here with me, but I'm not sure if this thought is accurate. It may be emotionally appealing, for if we forget about those in hell while in the new heavens and the new earth, Wouldn't we have to also forget about the cross of Jesus? Would not God have to ban all Bibles from heaven? How can we not delight in the grace of God for all of eternity when John continually refers to Jesus as the Lamb in heaven throughout the book of Revelation? Jesus being a lamb is a reference to a sacrificial animal of the Old Testament. Jesus' sacrifice was necessary because of sins. No, the happiness of heaven must consist of knowing at least some of the horrors that Jesus saved us from while on earth. For why else would John be telling us in Revelation 15 to sing songs about the Lamb and Moses in heaven? Now, I think the answer is in another direction. It's in a series of biblical passages in the book of Revelation that will surprise some Americans' sensibilities. Now, they provide us a better picture of how the people in heaven will view those who've been condemned to hell. In Revelation 6, beginning in verse 9, John writes as a vision, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that had been born. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, 
who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Now here are heaven's heroes, the martyrs for the Christian faith, and they're asking for justice as they view the injustice on earth from heaven. They were murdered for loving God and loving people, and our scene evidently takes place prior to the second coming and the judgment day where not everyone has been judged. Now the time for the outpouring of God's final vengeance and justice did not yet come, so it's important to note God doesn't reprimand these martyrs for thinking of justice. Instead, these faithful men and women are commanded to wait for complete justice. God doesn't deny them justice, only delays before he brings all evil to justice in the end of, at his timing. Now next we turn from Revelation 6 to Luke chapter 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, looking for the question of how can people in heaven enjoy heaven when those in hell are suffering so greatly. We know that Abraham spoke to the rich man in hell without sympathy as Jesus told the story. He simply spoke the truth to the rich man about his missed opportunities in the life before him. We should say that both this parable and the story of the martyrs I read a moment ago from Revelation 6 are pictures of eternity before Judgment Day. And when we turn to consider the complete biblical picture of the Day of Judgment, we pause to consider the words of John in Revelation 19, beginning in verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation! And glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. This is a difficult passage, but I think it's correct to conclude that God's redeemed people will rejoice and praise God for the sense of satisfaction that justice is finally done. This is a picture of end time, last moments before everything is finished up in God's history. We will not question the justice of God, but we will celebrate his actions of finally vanquishing all evil. No, the redeemed will not think hell is too great a punishment. Yes, in contrast, God's people are happy for justice just as we are today when a good judge gives us justice. And yes, God will be worshiped for his justice fully throughout eternity. Now, I need to say, as we think about this question, that there will be never, there'll never be a moment when we say to ourselves or to one another in eternity, I cannot believe God would not save all those who rejected his son, Jesus Christ. Instead, all of God's people in heaven will be well overwhelmed by his mercy to send bad people like me and us into heaven itself. The truth is none of us deserve heaven. Each one of us deserves hell. We should also remember that God sent his son into the world in order that people might avoid condemnation and hell. We should pause to remember God's desires here. As recorded by Paul to 1 Timothy this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Now here at the end, I just want to say, I do not think we will celebrate when we as 
people destined for heaven see our loved ones damned despite it being right and just. No, Jesus himself wept over the multitudes of people in Jerusalem who had rejected him. You remember his words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and yet you are not willing. We need to also pause and remember that Jesus prayed over those who were murdering him, executing him on the cross while they were gambling for his clothes as he was being crucified. No, my conclusion that these passages that we as God's people will simultaneously rejoice that perfect justice has finally been handed down while God is perfectly just, but we will lament the fact that some of our loved ones have rejected him. How could we not momentarily hurt when we are then completely conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, when Jesus himself is pained by their refusal of his grace? Still, our future happiness in heaven will not be lessened by the absence of some of our friends. Because Jesus Christ brings us to heaven, he conforms us completely to the image of his Son, we will have his moral, perfect moral sensibilities because we've been remade into his perfect character. I should pause and encourage you with every fiber of your being to pray for your lost friends and loved ones. Don't make this only a point of speculation and study, but let's pray, let's strategize on how to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Eternity tells us that this is an urgent task. I'm calling on you to make it hard for people to get to hell when they're near you. Because in the future, we will have the mind of Jesus Christ completely. And heaven's bliss will not be lessened by hell's horrors. Yes, we will rejoice when God's great justice. And we may be tempted to think heaven will be hell when we think about those spending eternity in suffering. But we should remember that the complete justice of God in defeating evil, that there's a day coming when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall be there mourning, crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Spurgeon says this, perfect acceptance of the divine will is probably the secret of it, but it's not my business to guess. I don't know what handkerchief the Lord will use, but I do know that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes.